It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The dust has settled from the Miami Dolphins' 22-20 victory over the Dallas Cowboys, and we have checked the tape. Looking at the offensive side of the ball, here are the biggest storylines that I found as we get ready for Week 17 in a heavyweight clash against the Ravens. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Tip of the cap to our everydayers because it is your team every day. We don't just say we live it here on the Locked On Network. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase on last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. We've checked the tape. Uh, we, of course, need to uh, let the dust settle on the Jalen Waddle injury. That's a big storyline for the Dolphins right now. Mike McDaniel said on Monday that appears to be a little bit more of a high ankle. Uh, there's some speculation that we may not see him again during the regular season. A lot up in the air. Right now, who knows? Uh, what I can focus on is an offensive performance for the Dolphins uh, that had a lot of good, uh, was not their most potent performance of the season, but I thought did a lot of things uh, that the Dolphins are going to need to do down the stretch to continue to be competitive against these good teams that they're going to continue to face. This Dallas team, statistically speaking, uh, a, a very uh, top-tier defensive unit across the league and we'll talk about Micah Parsons and the role that he had in that uh and the game specifically against Miami in today's show but I want to start with the play calling because uh there was some traction I think the Dolphins found they, they found the right balance I thought of aggressiveness with creative play design with mitigating risk with proper balance and running the football uh, all of this, the storylines have in various stretches throughout the course of this season when Mike McDaniel is too much of this or not enough of that. Uh, this was the game I thought you, you really pushed a lot of the right buttons. Now, would I like to have the fourth down fade to Cedric Wilson back? Yes, I think that's absolutely the case. But we've talked for a few weeks now, specifically on the show, about the offensive line and the outlook of the offensive line. and where this team has to find success running the football if they're going to continue to be a successful unit. So let's just look at the rushing production and opportunities that were provided between the tackles versus outside. We have talked, if you've missed it, or if you're you're new to the show, welcome to the show. With the backup guards and the backup interior trio of Rob Jones, Lester Cotton, and Liam Eikenberg, they're a little bit more powerful players as compared to road grading or as compared to super athletic type of players. They're more road graders. So the thesis is as the Dolphins offense has to evolve for the personnel that's going to be available. And Rob Hunt, I think, could fulfill either role. 
So it's not like you have to get away from this when Robert Hunt comes back. This is going to be a little bit more between the tackles type of offense. Case in point, Raheem Mostert had five carries for 43 yards between the tackles against the Cowboys. He had six carries for three yards outside the tackles. It was not just a Raheem Mostert stat. Devon Achan had three carries for 11 yards outside the tackles. He had three carries for four carries for 13 yards between the tackles. So he was about even split, but uh, his, his biggest chunk was off the right-hand side between the tackles. He had 13 yards in the right side, a gap and B gap as a ball carrier with uh, Raheem Ostert having to rotate in and out. Jeff Wilson, the other primary back, he got five carries for 21 yards. 13 of those 21 yards came between the tackles. So, and uh, the big run that he had, the eight yards that he had outside was on the final possession on an outside run, which there may or may not have been a holding on linebacker Damon Clark by one of said interior offensive linemen. But uh, last I checked, they didn't throw the flag, so you don't have to get back. Uh, but, but the Dolphins getting 13, 13, 26. I'm not a math guy, but I know 26 plus uh, an additional 43. You're talking almost 70 yards of offense. A very nice number. Between the tackles rushing the football. You got push. You got surge. There's one play in particular, the Dolphins in the low red zone, where Rob Jones climbs up onto Damon Clark and takes him for like a full figure eight and blocks him completely out of the play and finishes him into the ground. When the Dolphins needed to finish a drive and possess the football in the final two minutes, they run one back power. Same side, one back power, where they block down on the right side and they pull Lester Cotton and he kicks the end man on the line of scrimmage and Durham Smythe cuts through there and gets up onto the linebacker and Jeff Wilson gets hard yards to convert. The opening play of the second half, the drive starter for Miami, run between the tackles, downhill runs. And it's not just turn, turn around and hand the ball off and let him run between the tackles. There's uh, toss action that bends back, the windback toss. You saw that in this game. You saw trap where they're leaving a defensive tackle unblocked and your tight end is split action across the formation and kicking the defensive tackle, and it's successful. So you saw power, counter, trap, windback toss, in addition to one-back power, and you know some of Miami's traditional crack toss where they're trying to get out on the edge. Crack toss was not particularly effective in this game, and I thought one of the reasons why was, uh, again, you're giving really ambitious assignments to the, to the skill players on the edge. And this was not a group, whether it was a, a linebacker type that was walked up on a three-man side, and you're asking the outside most receiver to get down and crack on a player who's pressed up on a player inside of him, lined up in press against the two, a strong eligible receiver. That's a lot of distance to cover if you're not in a bunch set, and the Dolphins weren't in a bunch set in that scenario. But it wasn't just bad, and it wasn't, just, okay, we ran the ball between the tackles. There was, the play design for the touchdown is about the most diabolical passing concept out of the mesh that I've ever seen. So traditionally, mesh is the concept where you have a running back out of the backfield who runs a pseudo wheel. It's more referred to as a, a, 
a rail route where there's no out and up. It's just flare and then get up the sideline. And that traditionally in mesh is your first read. If whoever the hook player is or flat player is doesn't expand and get width, you just put the ball out there, give the ball to your running back in space, let him create after the catch. Whatever the weak side receiver is that's running the shallow drag across the middle of the field is usually the two in the progression. And then there's uh, a tight end who could come from the backside or the front side or a, a, an eligible, if you're in smaller personnel groupings, that runs a sit route where he runs to 10 yards and he sits directly over top of the ball. That is typically the three. So your eyes go rail, cross to the rail, sit route, and then the shallow cross going away from all of this action is your fourth read in the progression. So one, two, three, four. The Dolphins are in shotgun, and they're in the low red zone. They just got the roughing the passer call on Micah Parsons. And Raheem Mostert is aligned to Tua Tungavaloa's left. And he motions before the snap where he sprints out behind Tua as if he was going to, with momentum, run the rail route of the mesh because everybody else runs mesh. And as the ball is snapped, Raheem Mostert, in his horizontal sprint to the sideline, stops and instead of proceeding to go out to the perimeter and run up the sideline, runs effectively a counter action, pivots back the way that he came, and exits out the weak side A-gap and leaks out into the flat. The amount of mind effery, whatever you want to refer to it as on a family-friendly show, uh, that is required for the defensive players to identify, no, I, there's no backside defender when that motion goes away and everybody else runs mesh. There's no backside read or key for that player that was in fast motion away from me has now doubled back and has leaked out the A-gap, and now he's the first eligible out to the backside of the formation. <laughs> it was, uh, it, It's the latest example of how this offense places defensive players in an absolute bind and a nightmare. And a heck of a play call. And we'll talk a little bit more about the play call, and we'll talk a little bit more about the approach in this game next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. So stick with us. The weather may be cooling off, but the NFL offers stay hot. Over at FanDuel right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets on their first $5 winning money line bets. $150 free if your team wins. You've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, the money line, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off your NFL final stretch to the end of the regular season or kick off your NFL postseason. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
So let's talk about Micah Parsons. Uh, so there's, there's, there's good news and bad news. <laughs> uh, the good news is you don't have to play Micah Parsons again. Uh, the bad news, well, I guess it's, it's bad news for Miami, is uh, Micah Parsons probably prevents at least a touchdown's worth of points from an execution standpoint for the Dolphins. And this is in spite of Tua Tungvaloa getting the ball out of his hands as quickly as he has all season long. So from a, if you refer to next gen stats, the fastest time to throw this this week in the NFL was Tua Tungvaloa with 2.25 seconds on average across 37 attempts. There was only one other player that was under two and a half seconds, so a full quarter of a second longer. And that was Case Keenum, and he had 17 attempts. Just an unreal trigger. And I think some of the uh, misfires that you saw in the passing game, whether it was the final possession where Tyreek tries to throw the glance uh, to Tyreek, or Tua tries to throw the, the glance to Tyreek Hill that they have connected on so often this season that was uh, behind him, Tua had to throw that ball exceptionally early because there was color flashing in front of his face. Now, not all of these are because of Micah Parsons, but there was more than one occasion where the Micah Parsons is lined up on the edge and we're throwing an out route to the perimeter that we miss, or we're throwing a deep out to Cedric Wilson in scoring territory that we miss, or we have Micah Parsons lined up over top of the center and color flashes in front of our face and we miss throws that two routinely hits. I counted about four throws that Micah Parsons individually impacted as Tua Tungvalu reacts to color flashing in front of his face as he's throwing the football. It's a throw with anticipation of getting hit. And this is one of those things for me with, with Tua, and I know not everybody's going to agree with this because not everybody's willing to be objective about the quarterback of this football team, but I'm willing to live with some of those misses. If the turnaround and the payoff for that is that you do what Tua Tungvaloa has done this season, which is it has been available. Well, if you're going to protect yourself, and, and it is your responsibility as the quarterback to a certain degree to protect yourself as the passer and understand protections and understand where you're liable and understand where your mismatches are and understand when you've lost downs. And protect yourself. Tua missing a few throws that he would typically hit in the grand scheme of the marathon of an NFL season is worth the price of missing a third down hookup to Cedric Wilson along the perimeter. So there was this Micah Parsons effect in this game, and it wasn't just in the passing game either. You know, some of the Dolphins outside run attempts, they're running away from Micah Parsons and Micah Parsons is the unblocked defender is chasing it down from the backside. Or Micah Parsons in some of these muddled linebacker looks that they give where he's walked up in the A-gap. You're trying to get a center to, to climb up onto Micah Parsons with two yards of cushion. And it, it's it, there's not a lot of centers on the face of the planet that are going to be able to do that. Regardless, I know Lee Meikenberg's a popular uh, player for, for a lot of people to uh, bemoan the performance of. It wasn't a great performance from Liam. I thought it was a gutty performance from Liam. And the rest of that interior offensive line. I thought Rob Jones was the best of the interior trio. I thought Teron Armstead was outstanding. He had one bad whiff, and it was ironically on Micah Parsons. He tried to, to jump set him and take all of the air out of his pass rush, and he came too flat out of his stance. 
and Micah beats him off the field. And then he flattens and rounds the corner and he hits to a tongue of low square in the back. And the Dolphins were fortunate to have a, a roughing the passer call, their first of the season called against Tua Tungvaloa on that play. Conversely, later in the game, you get down to money time. We'll talk a little bit more about that with execution when we talk about the uh, uh, the, the third down screen pass that the Dolphins called and, and what made it such a unique play and the execution of it. But what I'll tease is they ran it to Micah Parsons' side. And Teron Armstead jump sets him. And earlier in the game, the end of the first half, Micah spent most of the game on the right-hand side. The offense is right. He's against Teron Armstead. Earlier in the game, he beat Teron around the outside with speed on a jump set. So on this third down and short where the Dolphins called a screen to Tyreek Hill, Teron Armstead jump sets Micah Parsons. And Micah Parsons says, ah, I've seen the jump set. And I know I beat you on the outside last time, so you're probably going to sell out a little harder. You're going to lose a little bit more width. Well, guess what? That's going to leave you susceptible to the inside counter. So I'm going to counter inside and come back across your face. But you know what? Teron Armstead's been around the block a few times. So he felt this happening. He felt this develop. And he hits him with a hand counter and uses Micah Parsons' momentum against him. And Micah Parsons ends up losing his footing and sliding into the grass as the Dolphins hit the screen behind him that gets up the field and converts a first down in a critical situation at the two-minute warning for Miami. The game within the game, a chess match, it's not lost. Uh, and the Dolphins won this game in large part because of how they chose in that moment and how they chose throughout the course of this entire game to mitigate the impact of an all-pro player. Uh, I thought they did as good of a job against Micah Parsons as they did against Max Crosby in mitigating that individual player. I do think it makes your offensive menu a little bit more limited. There were not as many deep play action sets. And when there were, there wasn't a lot of air uh, in the pocket. There were guys, you're, you're still asking skilled players to block Demarcus Lawrence, Durham Smythe on one of two Tungvaloa's uh, play action shot plays down the field. He gets to the top of his drop out of the play fake. His back foot hits the ground. He confidently rips the ball, and he throws it out of bounds. I don't think that was a miss. I think that was, I don't want to take a hit. We really don't have a, a, a check down that's baked in here that's going to be in a timely manner, and it was kind of leveraged anyway. And you ran two-man route down the field, and both guys were capped. So I'm just going to throw the ball in down the field to Tyree Kill, but I'm going to throw it out of bounds. There were other plays where Tua has to try to anticipate like the wheel that he tried to hit to Devon Achan, that Achan doesn't identify quickly while the ball is in the air, which is a bummer because it was a perfectly thrown ball for Achan in man coverage to make an adjustment. So you had timing throws and timing throws. You know, Once Jalen Waddell leaves this game, uh, Cedric Wilson's running some of these routes, and, and it, perhaps the timing of the, the route and the accuracy of the throw is impacted by a different receiver running the route than who was supposed to be that you practiced all week. There's guys who can't quite identify the football because the ball is out so early. And then there's inaccuracies because you're throwing to a spot and you have to throw it so early. But the Dolphins did the responsible thing throughout the course of the game and they mitigated Micah Parsons to the best of their ability in spite of him playing at an unreal elite level. This is my favorite stat from this game. And it comes courtesy of Next Gen Stats. The NFL average 
across the league for a pass rusher and their separation away from the quarterback is about four and a half yards. So when the quarterback throws the ball from the pocket, the average NFL pass rusher is about four and a half yards away from him. The Dallas Cowboys in this game had Demarcus Lawrence averaged about five yards of separation from the quarterback across to a tongue of law through the ball 37 times. Dorrance Armstrong, nice kind of inside-outside versatile defensive lineman pass rush specialist type, 4.7 yards of separation, so above NFL average. Oso Digizua was their second most prominent pass rusher, and he was 4.44 yards away from the quarterback. So the Dolphins throwing with a lot of speed, a lot of quickness, a lot of anticipation, a lot of quick hitting routes, not to the same degree in which they hit the Jets. I think they'd like some of their other one-on-one matchups a little bit more in this game. Micah Parsons, <laughs> 3.17 yards away from the quarterback on average across 37 attempts. Now, he didn't rush the passer on all of those. He spent some time dropping into coverage, and the Dolphins found him when he did. But nevertheless, three almost one-third closer than league average, 66% or 33% closer than league average across an entire body of work for an entire game. Three yards. Andrew Van Ginkle, by the way, was the most uh, high-pressure Dolphins pass rusher, and he averaged an extra half yard further away from Dak Prescott on Dak Prescott's attempts across the entire game than Micah Parsons was. And Dak Prescott did not hold the ball on average of 2.25 seconds in this week 16 matchup. Dak Prescott actually held the ball on average. Scroll and find him towards the bottom. 2.95 seconds. So Dak held the, the ball on average in week 16 against the Dolphins defense across 32 attempts. Seven-tenths of a second longer per attempt than Tua Tungvaloa did. Seven-tenths, almost three-quarters of a second longer. And I know next-gen stats came out and said that uh, Dallas Cowboys pressured the quarterback on the lowest percentage of pass attempts this season, and Dak Prescott was pressured on the highest percentage of passing attempts this season uh, by the Miami Dolphins defense. And a lot of that is how the Dolphins chose to cater their passing attack and mitigate Micah Parsons. And even then, they didn't really mitigate him when it was all said and done. He just didn't make the splash plays that end up finishing in the box score. Really good effort from this group. We'll talk a little bit more, a little bit more about execution. We'll get into that game-winning play or such a critical call in the game and what Dallas did and how the Dolphins were able to beat it up next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. So stick with us. If you are headed to the uh, to M&T Bank Stadium, which is where the Ravens play, or if you want to get down to Miami Buffalo, which don't have tickets, I got good news for you. Game Time is here. They have you covered. Game Time is the ticketing app that takes all of the stress out of buying tickets. They give you complete peace of mind when you buy your seats because they give you the view from your seat before you purchase. And they're all in prices, show you all of the costs involved with buying your tickets. So when you put them in your shopping cart, you aren't stunned by an extra three figures in dollars in fees when you go to check out. 
Game time allows you to buy tickets in just a few seconds and a few taps from your phone, and their tickets are delivered directly to your phone. They're obsessed with finding you ways to save money on tickets. With zone deals, you can pick the section, and Game Time picks the seats for an average of 18% additional savings. And the Game Time guarantee means you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On NFL. For $20 off, download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Dolphins' most critical call of the game uh, at the two-minute warning. The Dolphins catch... um, the Dallas Cowboys and Dan Quinn, I will say this, Dan Quinn quite frequently ran cover three on first and 10. And if he caught you in longer down and distance situations, he would run Tampa two. And, you know, Tampa two is kind of the bastardized cousin of cover three because they, at the end of the day, finish with three deep defenders, right? It's just one of those is a middle linebacker. When you consider Dallas has, put themselves in a position thanks to uh, the personnel that they have at their disposal. They have safeties at times playing linebacker. That guy is just an, it's inverted cover three where the center field player, instead of starting high and playing in the post starts on the second level and runs the pole and gets depth. And you're still playing two thirds of the field outside with deep safeties versus deep corners. And it allows you to present, um, kind of a different shell to the defense. But throughout the course of this game, you caught a lot of cover three on first and 10, and the, Dol- the the Dolphins were prepared for it. That's where they ran a lot of their glances, a lot of those hits to Tyreek Hill that are in stride. It was around first and 10 where they caught cover three. And then you're catching Tampa two, and Tampa two, one of the weak spaces in Tampa two, is if you're able to catch away from whatever side that middle of the field Mike linebacker pole runner turns his back. If he turns his back and I open to the field, the boundaries where you have an opportunity to hit throws that hit behind the hook curl defenders. But that that pole runner now has to flip his hips 180 degrees and work back to the other side. They had answers. They had quick hitting throws. Dolphins running all slants at times and just allowing it to play out. But they caught man on the final possession. It was third and three from the 33-yard line at the two-minute warning. And the Dallas Cowboys have all three timeouts. And the Dolphins run, everybody calls it something different. It's like a zipper motion, right, where you, Tyree Kill is lined up, closely bunched next to Braxton Berrios, and he motions, across the formation behind the center to the offensive tackle, and then sprints back the way he came. So it's like a return motion. It's up and down like a zipper, right? It stays on the track. 
the Cowboys gave him true double 10 Tyree kill coverage. You see when he's lined up at first, there's a defender that is pressed in his face. The Cowboys are presenting another player stacked directly behind him. That kind of gives you, okay, are they in too hot? When Tyree kill runs the motion, it's the post snap confirmation. And it's not just the post snap confirmation, but it's, it's a dead giveaway to what they're running. The press player and the player leveraged directly behind him, 12 yards off the ball, both dead sprint run with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill gets to the opposing offense, the opposite offensive tackle, sticks his foot back in the ground and sprints back the way that he came for the snap. And both of those guys, they kind of lose their footing. They're scrambling. They're now trailing him. They're in recovery before the ball is even snapped. But that motion prevents you from getting a player up on the line of scrimmage to interrupt Tyreek Hill's ability to get set up to throw the perimeter screen. And it is the dead giveaway that we're in man coverage. But because of the motion, this is why how the Dolphins utilize their offense, it's a good embodiment of why there's value in it. It gives you a coverage tell and not an extreme coverage tell. Both guys are literally chasing Tyreek Hill from sideline to sideline before the snap. There's no secrets on what they've called. And once you get a confirmation that it's man, you know the screen is good to go because your worry with with zone is if guys are not eyeing a player and they're eyeing the quarterback and they see the play develop, they could stick their foot in the ground and go and get it. You don't have the opportunity to go and get it. And Braxton Barrios is able to throw a critical block. And Lester Cotton's able to get out and throw a critical block in space against that player that is scrambling to stay in Tyreek's hip pocket five yards off the line of scrimmage with another player who's 10 yards behind him because of the motion and because of how sudden, and we've talked about this before on the show too, but what the Dolphins are able to do with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle with their motions and the speed of their motions and then how they can stop and return back the way that they came, not just before the snap, but then as he's sprinting back Tyreek Hill to where he originally lines up, and then sticks his foot back in the ground and turns back to the quarterback to catch the ball. That's rare. There's not a lot of guys that can do that with the level of intensity and uh, value and physical strain and explosiveness that these guys can. It was perfectly set up. And I think the execution of that play, to me, really stands out as uh, an embodiment of execution across the board offensively because where the Dolphins really you want to really boil it down the Dolphins scored 10 points in the final 30 seconds of the first and second half combined they scored a touchdown with 21 seconds left in the first half when they took over down by a point with two minutes and 23 seconds left on their own 29 yard line two minute offense down the field score a touchdown leave no time on the clock left for Dallas because Dak Prescott kneeled it out Dallas takes over their possession with 12 seconds left in the first half. Okay, game over. Or not game over, half over. And then they take over again with 327 left, and they possess the ball all the way down. You want to talk about winning football offensively. The Dolphins finished both games or both halves with the ball and scored both times and took the lead both times and had situational football elements involved in both. Execution was winning football for Miami. And sure enough, I think it was, it was somebody on Fox something 
not impressed by the Dolphins' win because they kicked five field goals. I don't care. Don't. Watch the game. Watch the game. Understand what happened. Don't just read the box score and say, oh, they can't score touchdowns. Because if Miami needed a touchdown at the end of the game, guess what? They probably could have got one because of how that drive was executed. They got down to the nine-yard line with 58 seconds left, and they took two kneels to run out the clock and kick the field goal. So miss me with the fifth field goal. I don't. (laughs) Just watch the game. You watch the game, you watch this Dolphins offense, you understand 370-something yards offense, 22 points, not the highest figure on either statistical category, but against the defense that they had, it was the proper balance and proper tone and proper execution. And that's the win. We'll talk about the defensive side of the ball a little later here today on Locked on Dolphins. I appreciate you guys checking on the show. I'm Kyle Krabs. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. It is your team every day. Fins up. I'll talk to you all again soon. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.